Good morning, and welcome to episode 73 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. This is Lee. I am so glad to be with you today. This seems to be the podcast that was jinxed (laughs) or something from the very beginning. I was going to start out with the good news that the podcast has surpassed 100,000 listens. And actually, now this morning, I looked, it's got 101,000 listens, which is just amazing to me that there are around 1,000 beekeepers that listen to every episode. That just amazes me. Um, that's a, just a guesstimate from the, the downloads. And I know some people repeat the ones when they're trying to get information. So anyway, that was really fun to think about. And I recorded a podcast for you, or I started recording one on winter preparation, which is what this one also aims to be. And I found an article in a very well-known and frequently used beekeeping textbook. It's a college textbook on winter preparation chapter. And I thought, you know, I'll do a reading from this book because that's bound to be good, solid, uh, easy to understand, straightforward information. Well, I got about 20 minutes into the reading and was like, I cannot do this to them. The material, in my opinion, jumped back and forth from a commercial beekeeping setting to a backyard beekeeping setting. It made very little reference to how different things were depending on whether you're in Miami or Minnesota. I just found it so frustrating and irritating. And I found I was jumping in, you know, every third sentence going, well, you know, they don't mention here. And it was just a wreck. So I got rid of that. Then I waited till my next off days. I worked several days and had an off day and I was going to do another one for you. I started to record and my laptop just kept going off and it was plugged in. It kept going off and shutting down on itself. And so I was like, okay, this is this is just not meant to be. So I switched over that day to my desktop computer thinking, okay, I can I can wing this on the desktop for a moment versus my usual equipment. And I recorded an entire podcast for you, only to find out when I played it back, there was some weird, buzzy, loud echo thing on the entire recording because I found out later it's some interaction between the microphone and the sound card of the computer. So here I am back with you again, (laughs) really trying. I want you to know I'm really trying to get you a podcast on winter preparation. I know that a lot of people are pretty nervous about winter, depends where you are of how much you're seeing the whites of its eyes or not. Some of you have already had snow this year, and then some of you are still in hot summertime. You're probably laying on a beach in the sun right now. It obviously depends a lot on where you are in the country and what country you're in as to what you're doing right now for winter preparation in the parts of the world that are about to head into winter. In beekeeping, you have to get a head start. I heard uh, a YouTube, which I'll share with the Patreon on the Patreon page, of this beekeeper. He's an Irish beekeeper, been beekeeping for 50 years. The video is about setting up an apiary for honey production. And I almost didn't listen to it because it sounded kind of commercial oriented, but I am so glad I did. Actually, I've listened to it twice now. There are so many. I mean, I guess it's like talking with any really experienced beekeeper. I mean, if you find a beekeeper who's been doing it, more than 20 years or really more than 15 years, then pick their brain because something is working for them. And this fellow, in between all his information on how to set up for the honey harvest in Ireland, which is a little bit different, in between those, he would just throw out these little items that I would find myself 
grabbing a piece of paper to write down because it was interesting. And I went back and listened to a lot of those. And actually, I have an entire sheet of notes now that I think that's what I'll make the uh, the bonus Patreon podcast for you guys from. I had another idea, but uh, I, may, I may go to this because it's so interesting, the little tips and techniques that he threw in this larger talk. But anyway, over time, preparing for winter gets so much easier because you have this body of experience in the past, good or bad, of what worked or didn't work. As the Irish beekeeper said, if you have made a hundred mistakes, then you know a hundred ways that will not work. And that is how experience is built. And I thought that was a lovely way to put it. But it is true. Every winter, in a best case scenario, most of your bees survive. In a worst case scenario, some of your bees survive. And either way, you start to over time make stories up (laughs) of what is helping that, what is keeping bees alive or what killed this hive and all those things. And I've, of course, done the same. I have a higher standard of survival for myself in my own mind after 10 years because I feel like there are some basic mistakes that I shouldn't make anymore. One of the most basic mistakes, in my opinion, about preparing for winter is not addressing the food stores. There are just, I don't know, it gets to be hot summertime. I know the feeling in August, I just tried not to, I just avoid everything I possibly can in my bee yard because the is so humid that you can be drenched in sweat and it's only 70 degrees. So believe me, I know about putting off things that I should be doing, but making sure they are going to have enough food stores. I'm amazed at the number of people that just assume the bees have put enough honey away, not only for them to take honey, but to get through the winter. Obviously, that's a very important number for you to know, you know, the pounds of honey ballpark that the bees in your particular neighborhood need to get through the winter. That's an important bit of information to get from your local mentors. Even if you don't agree with them on any single other thing, the knowledge of your bloom schedule Your weather schedule, your swarming season, you know, all these dates that the temperatures get too low to feed syrup if you need to. Because ideally, your bees have enough honey to get through the winter. As I've said over and over, I really believe that is important to them. I'm I'm not a person who takes all the honey and then replaces it with sugar water. I just feel like the bees don't do as well. I don't think that, I think probably everybody but a rocket scientist would understand why that would be true. (laughs) I'm sorry if that sounded insulting, Uh, no offense, rocket scientists, but I think y'all know what I mean. There may be technical explanations as to why the carbohydrates are exactly the same. I just don't believe it. (laughs) I just don't believe that natural made honey is exactly the same chemical combination as sugar water. And I think that those, you know, hundred compounds that are found in honey that nobody really knows what they do or what they're for probably have something helpful going on for the bees. But I digress. I want my bees to overwinter on honey. And if that means me not taking honey to sell, fine. Luckily, I don't have to make my living from bees as that is an incredibly difficult business. And I respect anybody who can can do it. But thank goodness I do not have to do that. So as a result, if my bees don't make enough honey for me to sell any, fine. If they don't make enough honey for me to even have enough to get through the winter in my own kitchen, fine. I'll buy it from some regional beekeeper that, that does. I want them to have that. And still, even with that determination, 
there are times a hive will end up as the nights start to get cool and they won't have enough. They're, the pounds will not be enough. I will go to tilt that hive to check the weight and nearly throw it off the stand because it's so light. And there's a thousand reasons why that might be. Things like late swarms, uh, things like over swarming, you know, when they cast out many virgin swarms, they can go down to virtually nothing. And then if the weather conspires to not have a nectar flow after that, they don't have anything to replace it with. So they might be just barely putting along. And that's when nature left to her own devices would simply weed them out and go, oh, well, as a beekeeper, I have the option to assist them, not necessarily to assist that genetic line with going forward. Like if that was a pattern in the bees, if they had a pattern in my yard of throwing late swarms and then not being able to recover and me having to rescue them, then no, I wouldn't reproduce that genetic line because obviously there's something they're not quite good at. But if in those freak summer uh, and those freak summers, like, well, I don't even know if I should say freak summers anymore because now it's just every other, <laughs> every other summer or every fifth summer is kind of normalish. But this year, of course, we've had ton. We had the late freeze, the dreaded late hard freeze, was wiped out a ton of the spring and summer blooms. And I mean, it entirely wiped out apples in my entire valley, which usually has a bunch of apples. But it also clearly affected some things later in the summer that I wouldn't have guessed. It, it or something clearly affected the the sourwood bloom. We don't have a ton of sourwood, but we have some. Uh, this year we didn't have hardly any. Even when you had the various summer wildflowers, there was the tons and tons of rain. So my bees did not have a good honey producing year. I've told you this, but where this comes important to realize is that as I'm out there, I need to tilt those hives, check the weight. The, their food going into winter is one of the most fixable errors. It is one of the items that will kill your bees for sure. And it's it's fixable and there's no reason not to. And to me, if they have no th- nothing to eat and I have no honey frames to give them, then letting them die out isn't going to accomplish anything. If they're not a good genetic line, then yeah, I'll try to get them through the winter and next spring I'll use them as the population to restart one of my, you know, super duper queens I've raised that I feel like has has better genetics. So to me, to to lose a hive from preventable causes is just a preventable error and a waste of the resource of the bees. Not to mention it can't be pleasant to starve to death. It's they they are a resource to their species in the sense that if I keep them going through means that aren't going to harm any other bees, then I can use them as a starter crew to start off maybe some stronger bees. Okay, you can tell I was walking right up to my soapbox there, but I'm not I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be good as I've already had enough bad luck with my recording. So, first and foremost, get educated on what kind of weight your hives have, what kind of weight they're going to need, what your temperature window is to feed syrup. Of course, in the fall you'll likely be feeding two to one, the heavier syrup, two part sugar, one part water, at least uh, the heavier syrup so that it can more quickly get toward sugar honey and they can cap it. That's ideal is to get it fully capped by the time they settle in for winter. If for whatever reason you end up hitting cold winter 
and they do not have enough stores to get them through the winter, again, it might be salvageable. It is harder because, you know, getting them through on emergency feed for that last month, like if you have a a slow spring or a long winter, you know, getting them through an emergency feed for several weeks to a month, that's not hard. Getting them through an entire winter on emergency feed, and by that, I mean something like fondant, fondant, how do you say that, or um, mountain camp sugar, or any of the hard candy blocks. It's, it's a little, it's not that it can't be done, but you don't want to be doing it if you don't have to. And that can be avoided by preparing for a known variable, which is coming. And that known variable is winter. (laughs) So please address the food, start thinking, start planning. I will say this winter, I'm going to experiment on some of my very tiny nukes that I try to get through, maybe even in the shed. I would like to experiment with those winter patties. They look like pollen patties, but they are drastically different in what they're made up from. You wouldn't want to put a pollen patty on for winter because the pollen is mostly for raising brood. It has the wrong components in it to the, of what they would need to eat in winter. It would give them a lot of stuff that they'd need to take a lot of cleansing flights for one. It's a lot of uh, protein that they don't need because they're not raising brood. But from, from what I understand, it also would create the need for cleansing flights that they don't need to be pushed in that direction because they can only go cleanse when the weather allows them to. So the winter patties are made mostly of some type of sugar goop, and it but it looks it's shaped like a, a pollen patty. And the reason I'm interested in those in the little nukes that I try to overwinter, they are very challenging to manage their stores. It can things can happen really fast, and the weather's not always agreeable for opening up and putting in a uh, maybe a honey frame that I've saved in there. And by agreeable, it's not that I can't open them up in the cold. And I, and I would if it were completely life-threatening and that was the only way to get them through, you know, to hope to get them through. But I would need to try to get that honey frame really close to them because if it's that cold, they can't do a lot of moving around. You know, they can't go to the top outside frame to get that honey and they will starve even though I might have put a big chunk of honey in there. So, and then of course, breaking those frames apart near the cluster would, would likely not be good for them at best and who knows, might actually just kill them that day. If they are starving, then you got nothing to lose. You might as well try something. But again, it's just better to not find yourself in those situations. Believe me, I have. (laughs) That's how I know all these things about what will and won't kill a small nuke who's run out of food. Hopefully just be thinking of the, this is another thing that Irish beekeeper said, is always whenever you go in a hive, and he was talking about in the active season, whenever you open a hive and look at it, try to be thinking two weeks ahead of what what is going to be going on here in two weeks, because that might be as soon as you get back in there, even in swarm season. And if things happen in your life, it could be longer. So if you can try to always be at least two weeks out ahead of your bees in your thinking, it's going to help you work with them uh, much better. And then in the winter, depending on where you are, it could be much longer than two weeks between times that you have a warm enough day to open that hive and check on things, even if you have, I mean, there's parts of the country that's not going to happen all winter. And so you've got to have them set up so that you can virtually seal them up, you know, uh, in terms of not opening them for for the winter. Here in the mid-Atlantic, at least, and and definitely down south, but in the mid-Atlantic area region, usually every few weeks you're going to have a warm day. And if you happen to be off work that day, then you can do some checking and just verifying of things and stores and the bees and all that. So again, food and stores are the number one thing 
that you can control and you can avoid any losses due to food if you really stay on top of it. It's a hard thing to lose them. And when you look at the oh, the poor little sad dead hive, you realize they ran out of food. You realize you did something wrong. That's that's a bummer. So you don't have to let that happen. So start now. Get a hold of that. Get the information you need. Ask the questions you need of mentors, of anybody in your bee club with long experience who will talk to you. <laughs> then it's you can find out things of, uh, to do to get that in order even if it is late to the game in your area. So in my yard, we are right on the cusp of it getting too chilly to reliably feed syrup. Like I've said, I have a whole stash of honey frames. And at this point, I'm kind of picking out which of the small splits. I mean, these were mostly small splits. The big hives have plenty of honey for them for the winter. Might not be as much as I, I would like, but it's probably it'll probably be, be okay. Up here, I understand, and somebody may want to write me blueridge714 at gmail.com if I'm getting this wrong, but I think in the Asheville, Western North Carolina area, I think somewhere around 50 pounds is the absolute bare minimum to get through winter. I'm a little bit higher up, so I like to go a little heavier with that. In Yancey County, our, our winter can start a couple weeks early and last a couple few weeks longer than even just right down the hill in Asheville. That weight is probably lower right down the mountain over in in Marion and down toward Hendersonville. That might be a lower number. Check with your very, very local people for the number. You can also look up online of exactly how much a frame weighs. So for example, a a really fat, full, medium frame, I I think I always guesstimate something like four or five pounds that's just my ballpark and that might not be exact. And then a deep frame, you can look up the weights and then kind of guesstimate how many frames of honey they have and how how they're doing and then how much potential nectar weather you have left. I always have my fingers crossed for goldenrod, that wonderful stinky nectar, and um, even aster. There are places I've read that aster is not the greatest nectar in the sense of if it's a place where they put the aster nectar in and then they do not are not able to um, it maybe that's the only thing or they're not able to get out anyway I've read that that's not the greatest thing for them to overwinter on alone so if you are in a place like that that that's all you've got left then you may want to look at supplemental feeding just I, I don't exactly know what's wrong with aster nectar to, as a solo feed but any, of course, like with anything, a, a varied diet's going to be better. So the more flowers you have, the better. By all means, please give them some plain old sugar syrup or sugar in some form if they have not been able to collect natural nectar. So due to all the technical problems, I'm going to make this a short one. Just talked about food. I also wanted to tell you there are several winter prep episodes from last year. They're in October of 2019. If you look back in your podcast app or on the Podbean website, you can go back and there are about three complete podcasts on winter stuff. If you're farther ahead in the winter and you're like, look, I need to cut to the chase and get some better information. And if you are looking for a podcast, those are there. And then on the next one here, which I am really going to try to make really quick, since all this information was in one last time, it was this long, hour-long podcast, the one that messed up. But I'm going to break it up here because that's probably better from every angle. All right. So check on your stores. Also, I hate to say it, but the number two 
most controllable, absolutely controllable thing of winter survival is the health of your bees. If you have done things, whatever that is in your management style, to make sure they had a very low mite late summer, which is not an easy task, and then you took whatever action you needed to take to get that mite level down. Hopefully you did it in time to also get the virus levels down because that's what ends up killing them in the winter. It's not the actual mites. It's, well, mostly, I mean, that would be horrible if it was the, the mites, but I've hardly ever seen, usually in, in my yard in the past, um, clusters that I identified as death by mites. It was a, it was a small cluster. Well, it might have gone into winter a big cluster but it dwindled down to a small cluster and then some sharp freeze comes and they freeze and I look at them and I'm like you know the cluster shouldn't have been that small they had food um, they were of a size going into the winter it shouldn't have been that small so that just lets me know that probably they were impacted by viruses I am seeing less of that thank goodness over time in again selecting over and over for better bees. If you are not in a situation where you've been able to select like that, if you haven't been able to spend 10 years with your bees selecting for mite resistance, and if you haven't been able to acquire bees that have, if for whatever reason your mite counts are high, then I would ask you to to consider some of the organic knockdown treatments, that might be the only thing that gives your bees a chance to get through the winter. And again, even if now you're discovering, wow, this is not, these are not great bees because they're, maybe you even took some mite control action earlier and they're still, the mite counts are not okay. If you can possibly get them through winter, then in the spring, you can get you a good queen and start with her, hopefully if everything were to go right. But if they die over winter, generally you have to start out with a commercial package again and you're back at square one. And so that's why I preach (laughs) conserving the resource of the live bees so that you can push your genetics in the direction that you want. But that's a slow ship to turn around and you can't do that if you have to start from zero every spring. At least that's been my experience. All right. I hope you're all doing great. I want to send out my heartfelt care and thoughts and and sorrow and hope to the folks out West who are battling wildfires. There's one very dear listener to the podcast who lost her home, and it is just heartbreaking to witness even from across the country what is going on in California and Oregon and other places with the fires and the incredible loss. So if there is anybody that you know that you see could use your help and you're able to give them help, please do that. It is, a, it is the best feeling in the world to take whatever you have, even if it's a tiny amount, and help someone who is, is facing a catastrophic loss. If you happen to be in a place at that moment where you can, please do. So that was my little... Um, testimonial. All right, you guys have a wonderful week. Maybe it won't even be a week till I get back on here, but I'm wishing you well and wishing your bees all the best of health and happiness and winter prep.